0: This is Brent Scousen, youngest son of W. Cleon Scousen. Thank you again for tuning in today to another lesson taught by W. Cleon Scousen. Today's lecture is number 32 on the Old Testament, given in 1973 to his university class. It is unscripted and unedited, so you will feel like you're actually there. The text used today is from the Bible, 1 Kings chapters four through eight supplemented by Dr. Skousen's book, The 4,000 Years, which can be found online, or if you prefer to listen to the book, check it out at audible.com. Today we cover chapter nine, Solomon Builds the Great Temple. Now sit back and join us in the classroom of W. Cleon Skousen. Enjoy. Now there's one thing I didn't cover last time I want to be sure and cover. And that's this pilgrimage which Solomon made up to the old tabernacle in order that he could tell the Lord how grateful he was for his assignment, but that he needed help. And he was very sensitive about the fact that he was young, somewhere between 20 and 25. He had taken over a marvelous kingdom from his father and he felt incompetent to handle it by himself. Now where did he go on that pilgrimage? Why did he go to Gibeon? Because that's where the tabernacle was located. He had a tabernacle of tents um, down in Jerusalem. What was that for? Put in the Ark of the Covenant, but it was just a large, lovely tent that he had for that purpose. The old tabernacle with the high priest was up at Gibeon. It was just a few miles, five or six miles away from Jerusalem, so it wasn't very far. But when he got there, he really poured out the sacrifices, didn't he? he? Killed a lot of animals, some of them were burned, others were peace offerings, where they just burned the kidney and the fat, and the meat is afterwards and divided between the priest and the people. Uh, but it's kind of interesting um, that he should ask only for one thing, and that was wisdom and understanding. And the Lord was so pleased with him that in his night vision, did he get to see the Lord? Yes, he got to see him in the vision, and the Lord said, "You didn't ask for long life or for riches, right? Or or to honor or to overcome your enemies, right?" And uh, <laughs> so He said, "I'm going to give them all to you, in addition to having wisdom, and you'll have wisdom the like of which no one ever knew." Now it was Solomon who did what Aristotle later did. He actually cataloged all forms of animal life and did a lot of marvelous things of which we have no record now any longer at all. But if we knew the uh, contribution that Solomon made as a scholar, I'm sure we'd be amazed. And the Lord says, I'll give all these things to you now. And then he got all of them except one. Long life, his life was actually cut back because he did have problems right at the end. So he had, he did have this marvelous problem promise of the Lord. Then um, he barely got back from his pilgrimage, and he had that uh, terrible dilemma in which we have two women innkeepers that the Bible calls harlots, unfortunately, it should be innkeepers, and uh, one rolled, they both had little babies about the same time, one rolled over on hers and it died, smothered to death. And so she put it over by the other nursing mother and took the little live baby and kept it for herself. The, the, even though the babies are very young, the other mother realized she was being cheated. And so he comes back from Gibeon and they, they tell him um, of this problem. And he listens to the two women. They, the One of them uh, makes such a big fuss and screaming, etc. So he, he orders that sword. You can imagine how it must have felt. If, uh, here's a, 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 a young fellow. He's new in his calling. And this business of judging was tough anyway. And so he, he, he looks at the live baby and says, bring me a sword. And then he says, now we're going to cut this baby in two. We'll give half to each mother. You can imagine all the old heads you see who were so anxious to have him succeed. Such stupidity. Terrible. What have we got on our hands? And of course the real mother said, no, 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 don't kill it. Give it to her. And the other woman says, yes, let's kill it, and so forth. And Solomon says, that's the mother. Give her the baby. And, then, and they all shake their heads and, fantastic. Wasn't that clever? That was really fantastic. What a great man. So everything's fine. Now, immediately afterwards, Solomon now wants to fulfill the instruction of his father and of the Lord to build a temple. And uh, fortunately, they arrived from Lebanon... Uh, his father's, an embassy from his father's old friend, Hiram. There's going to be a very interesting relationship here between these two. Uh, you'll be kind of interested in this. Uh, a little later on, Solomon's going to try and thank this man and and uh, Hiram, and he thinks Solomon wants some more money, so he'll send him another. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how kings deal with each other. Anyway, um, he said to Hiram, I wish you'd send me a man that's very clever in silver and gold and iron and brass and also in very fine cloth with dyes of crimson and purple um, and somebody who knows carpentry and structuring and real beautiful artifacts and work. For example, if you're going to do gold leaf on olive wood, beautifully carved olive wood in, uh, in great scrolls and grapes and all kinds of things. How do you put gold on, on olive wood? Any goldsmiths among us? Dip it. Ship it, what? Dip it. Oh, dip it. Dip it. Um, it's, a, it's a problem, isn't it? Do we glue it on with um, glue made of horses hoofs or uh, do we have to have a special kind of glue that will go for wood and and metal. In other words, you need to know. All right, he wanted such a man. Now Nephi was such a man. Nephi knew his carpentry, he knew all his metallurgy, and in those days they used to have skilled artisans that would know all these things. They knew the dyeing, they knew the wood carving, they knew the metallurgy. And he got such a man, what was his name? Same as the king, but no relationship. And so now he got ready to send up 10,000 at a time up to Lebanon, Lebanon is right in here. These mountains are called the Lebanese Mountains, and there's the Anti-Lebanese Mount German about right here. Sea of Galilee, down to the Dead Sea. And uh, the Lebanese Mountains have these magnificent trees in them. Some of them are, most of them are about as big around as this. But the uh, the wood is impervious to woodworms and that sort of thing, and much sought after for building of ships, houses, etc. So here's Tyre higher Sidon. Here is Beirut, which didn't exist in those days. In those days, it was Bibulus. which is right there, higher inside. Sidon. And uh, they bring these big, huge trees down out of the Lebanese mountains. And they, it goes right up from the ocean into those mountains. And then they would ship them down to Java, which is the uh, port from which um, Jonah fled, you remember? He willfully in 800. BC. And then they're taken by camel over to the heights of Jerusalem. That's about a 3,000 feet climb. So that was a real chore to get those big logs up there. So he has 10,000 men at a time in the Lebanese mountains. He sends up all the necessary food and victuals and everything in order to take care of them. Then he has 70,000 who bear burdens. Now the necessity for bearing burdens is this. Here's the Cheesemakers Valley and then you get Mount Zion or Mount Messiah. And it comes down into uh um, The Mount of Olives, and down over into the Dead Sea. Now this mountain has that peak on it, and then it has this pie shape. And this is a valley, you see. Can you all understand how that goes? It goes down about a thousand feet. Now it isn't quite that abrupt. Actually it's down here, then it comes out of the and goes down, and then it drops down about a thousand feet. So when you go to see it by right? My picture is uh, adequate. I just want know that's the uh, I I mean, this is easy to defend, and all so there are cliffs down on that side. Now the problem is to taper this off. We got to get rid of that. So what he did was to build walls as much as 123 feet high, and then these errors of burdens fill in all that debris between the living rock, as they call it, and the wall that are to be built. So that's the way you get your. Um, temple square it's 32 square acres if you come down here and kind of go over to a spot right here you go back in the mountain that's where all this stone came from and it's 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 very interesting to go down there now because uh they took the stone in heros they even enlarged the temple square and you can see right where the pegs are still in the slot they they would very carefully dig out in that solid rock uh, a little trench then they put these wooden pegs in there every little bit pour water on them and they split off that block in a great big chunk like so and they weigh about 100 tons a very huge block. and they would pre them right there they would shape them whatever was necessary so there was no sound of a mouth not heard of Temple square. Then they hauled them all the way up there and put them in now, uh, at the present time, the Jews are excavating all along here. This is the waiting hall, the old waiting hall, right there. And they're excavating all along. They're trying to find the passage that led up to the front, <coughs> to the back of the temple. Because if they find that passage, they don't know where to build the temple today. They're hopeful it isn't the Dome of the Rock area, where the Muslims have their sacred place. They're hopeful they build their temple here. Now, when I saw the the model of the temple i was very worried whether or not they provided for two stories the Bible only describes one story but it does say that the upper chambers were gold were gilded or lined with gold and sure enough they've gone ahead and done just what josephus said they put one building on top of another so the second floor is just like the first we're okay one day we have to teach them how to use that upper story and they don't know how to use it yet okay now we get this uh how long did it take to uh, to level temple square and get it set up three years how long to build the temple six and a half about seven right now the temple itself is not big and we'll um it's twice the dimensions of the tabernacle and these you should memorize Uh, the holy of holies is square the holy of holies is 30 by 30. 30 by 30 and uh, the holy place is 60 by 30. and you divide those figures in half and that's the figures for the tabernacle all right now there are two pillars up in front of it on a porch oaz and Jaden, and then we have the porch which had a gold floor when you stepped on that floor you were on gold tile that's pretty fancy there are two doors right at the front of the temple, covered by a veil. They're, they are gold-covered, and uh, so are the two doors that go into the Holy Bowen. Then it had a beautiful veil, large, beautiful veil. Where's that? That's up where it would be in the modern temple between the terrestrial and the Celestial Room. Now, Josephus said there was a stairway right here in the wall that went up uh, to the upper stories the only way you can get the upper store is to go to the holy bullies and up here so no one went up the holy Holies, i guess unless they had the melchizedek priesthood now there were the cherubim which is uh, an angelic uh, civilization they were located right here they were standing here and they have their wings that's extended out this way and now out this way and then they touched over the Ark of the covenant, which is right underneath there. That was the Holy of and the place where the High priest would receive revelations. Just as they did today, we have the Holy of and so Now, to the right of the doorway is the golden altar incense. which burned day and night. And up here is the golden table of shewbread, And there were candelabras along on this side. Actually, there was some on the side. Well. Now, it was 45 feet high, and there were build, three stories of buildings that were used by the priests and by the preliminary ordinances that leaned up against the building on the outside. They were three stories high, and they, were up, they went up about 22 and a half feet, and they leaned against the building. That left the upper half of the temple there's a corridor that went right around on the inside, and you can go off the corridor to the various rooms. There were three story rooms, but they were not very high, about seven foot roofs of the wall. Very high. Any questions? Yes, Is sir. Is there a spiral staircase? Yes, a spiral staircase, Josephus says, in the wall. So it was a very heavy wall. They're both portable. But the tabernacle was made of tents, it was half this big. It was a big tent. <coughs> now the ark of the covenant is a little ark a little casket 40 inches long gold inside and out it has two tablets inside that were written by the finger of god the golden bowl of Man and the rod of aaron i guess which is a small piece of the right oh, of the ark of the covenant it was the um the depository for the most sacred thing that people had It's the depository I mean, if you had two two stone tablets written by the finger of God, that'd be extra special. Yeah. It was to remind them of the covenant. But it was to do more. When they, the when the, the person went before the ark of the covenant, when God didn't wish to appear before them especially, but speak to them, He did it from the ark of the covenant. One more thing. What's the relationship of the coming of the of the Savior? Yeah. Well, a temple of these exact dimensions will stand on Temple Square when Christ comes. It'll already have been built in Jerusalem. And it's of this same dimension. And and that's why the Jews right now are trying to find that old original corridor that went up to the Temple Square because that will lead to where the old temple used to be. They want to build it right where it used to be. Tradition says it's where the dome of the rock is. Of course, they don't want to... They're not going to tear that down. So that's... No, at the time that Jerusalem was destroyed in 587 B.C., the Ark of the Covenant and the temple itself. When the temple was destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant disappeared. There's a, a tradition among Masons that uh, some of the Masons carried it off, but that's just tradition. There's well, There are many temples to be built on this continent. 26 at the New Jerusalem. We're going to have temples all over the continent. Well, there's the temple in New Jerusalem. In Independence, Missouri. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a, a complex of 26 temples. Well, the new one, is going to have to they're going to try and duplicate the original one they occupy all of them. they own all of them by force of arms they own all of them yeah out of respect uh, they are very very sensitive about other people's sacred places i mean they, they'll they'll fight to defend an arab sacred place and um, some uh, some jewish uh, zealot got up on top of the dome of the rock and put up the israeli flag and boy when um moshe dayan heard about that he was in real trouble and they hauled it right down and when i was over there the last time uh, next to the last time you could not go in the the mosque uh, that is the uh, shrine the dome of the rock only arabs could go in because an australian christian had just burned uh, one whole end of the lovely mosque, just a little bit to the west of the Dome of the Rock shrine. So, all you could do is look through the window. But last year ago, last summer, when I went over, we were all allowed to go in. It's the place, see, there's a little outcropping of, of stone there that comes out above the facing of the. It's just as though you were walking along here, the whole temple square was just left. All of a sudden, here's a big piece of limestone rock that comes up. Uh, Oh, like this it's just like our stage here now it's that's the the threshing floor of iranah and the grain was stored underneath There's a cave there that he was supposed to have used and the threshing was done on the flat area you know up above which isn't flat anymore but it's supposed to have been and um that's where abraham offered isaac as a sacrifice that's where david uh, puts his sacrifices that were consumed by fire where the lord said to build the temple you remember So that spot of rock is extremely sacred. The Mohammedans considered sacred because Mohammed said that he had a vision and he was transported from Mecca up to Jerusalem. Let's see, by that time, I guess he was at Medina. No, he wasn't. He was living at Mecca with his patroness, patroness, businesswoman who had hired him. And he said he went in vision to Jerusalem and got on a white horse and was taken up to heaven from where the Gnome of the Rock now stands. And he saw Adam and Moses and Jesus and all the ancient prophets, and they told him how to set up the Brotherhood of Man, which is the Islamic religion. Everybody's a brother, you see. People of the book, they call it, the choice people of God. So every Islamic, or Mohammedan, as we call them, considers that mosque, you see, very, very sacred. That's not only the sacred, because the Temple of, solomon was there but it's sacred because that's where muhammad went to heaven he came back the next before the morning in vision and went back yeah that's the background and the jews said we're not going to destroy it but we are going to build our temple and that's as i mentioned to you that's when um, the press said to the chief rabbi if you're not going to destroy the mosque and you're going to be, you're the shrine and you're going to build your temple and you have to in this generation. Uh, how do you expect to achieve that? And his answer was, well, that's God's problem. Guy, he wants a temple there, he's got to work it out because we're not going to tear down the shrine. Yes. So that is the Dome of the Rock. Oh, that's the Mosque of um, Akka. That's actually a mosque. You see, the Dome of the Rock is a shrine, you don't hold services there. But that other big building is actually a mosque and it has carpets and rugs in it that's the one you mean where they kneel oh well that's that's a mosque and on, on on their sabbath day there'll just be a massive Yeah, i've been there during services and that mosque is just loaded yeah. yes ezekiel describes how they'll offer sacrifices and they'll be offered in righteousness this time uh, sons of Levi will offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Yes, uh, Jews who are called Cohens are really Levites. In fact, that's why they call them Cohen. The word Cohen means priest. I was going to tell Mickey Cohen that once, at three o'clock in the morning, when he just had the front of his house blown off. Um, but that's what the word Cohen means. Any Jews that are called Cohens, it's the effort of that family to keep the genealogical genealogy straight that they are not really Jews; they are Levites because they don't have a temple. They figured they couldn't offer sacrifices unless they had a temple, which is not a correct doctrine. But they've offered no sacrifices since the um, since 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. And they, and when they have Passover now, they have a symbol of the sacrifice. That's right. Yes, well, we're assuming uh, that down to the ages there's something, some remnant of it left among them. I don't know. Brother McComkey doesn't think that they'll be able to build without our help. And he and I discuss this as students one with another. Think, uh, he may turn out to be right. He thinks that our people will even help to build the temple or some of our priests will be there. And I've taken the view that uh, since they won't recognize Christ when he comes to will be so surprised they say, what are these wounds in my hands and my feet? I've rather been led to the conclusion that they are going to just go ahead and use Ezekiel and build the temple and and then when Christ comes, over, will be just truly made. Find out who Jesus will not have known it. But we'll have to wait and see. Because I say, but the conquering turn out to be right. We actually may offer the bill. But you see, the reason, another reason that I have felt that we wouldn't be involved is because we wouldn't be offering animal sacrifice. And Ezekiel says they will offer an offering to the Lord in righteousness. And when the Lord gave the demonic priesthood to all of the and Joseph Smith through John the Baptist, what did he say about that? And this priesthood shall not be taken from the earth until the sons of Levi offer an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. Meaning that it will be taken away, and that thereafter, there will only be one priesthood, it's not tested, of course, as it was in the beginning of Adam. that. that uh, I, I can't really tell you any more than, than I've told you. Uh, when Jesus came, the Aaronic priesthood was still uh, in existence and acceptable, uh, in Zacharias, for example, the Father of John Baptist, the Doctrine and Covenant says that there was priesthood among the Jews right down to the covenant of Christ. So he may have preserved it somehow among the Levi. We'll just have to wait and see. Yes, Joseph Smith said, that You don't know it, but there's going to be blood sacrifices in our day. And this dispensation, everything's going to be restored. And here the Jews, you see, they don't know they're supposed to be two coming to the Messiah they'll go right ahead and offer blood sacrifices that's why they'll be so shocked when they find out that jesus fears and they they always said he'd come in power and will and then at his hands they have those marks in them zechariah their own prophet says that when they ask that question you'll say there are the marks i received blood sacrifices." that'll be the levitical authority yes uh-huh. how do you how do you do that? Well, I would like What kind of people do you have for Well, as you know, about a third of it's already come to that pass. All, that all just came right on heart. And uh, the Jews are back. So my very best friends said from a scholarship standpoint, you have really got your name. Because the Arabs are never going to allow the Jews to have their own country only who could state. Of course, this was 1940, all kinds of press, and I said, well, I don't have my neck out, really. I said, all well, I said, what the Lord has said. You don't have your neck out, but you say what the Lord has said. So, in 1948, they had her in the vicinity in 1967, they got the city through, and they got all of the territory that, uh, was held during much of David's reign. That's what he crazy They could have taken very few phrases if they more. Okay, they have the present Jewish people in the Israel are are not uh, prepared for the gospel yet. They're quite irreligious. They study the Bible vigorously too because it's their history. But uh, they skip the prophets obviously that. They don't believe in any life after this life, no judgment. Well, I reflect, uh, half of them are going to be destroyed. And uh, they have not real that way. I well, think my the majority of the last month, but uh, December is your insight, uh, because there's going to be a real plenty of those people, a humbling offense, but still they go ahead and fulfill this prophecy. But our people are always shocked when they, uh, like, the, you talk about the Bible, is the next storm, clues? And, and this is where that town was, and that's maybe two better to locate. There's a gap. We set up the locks, and it's right there where they said it was. And then you start talking about the prophets. And the mm-hmm. 29th of Isaiah, we set up over the town floor. Oh, they said, well, of course, that's a prophetic area. we just got uh, a good guess. Do you think that that's the people, people now who have to develop the uh, sure. spiritual? Oh, yeah, definitely. Or the temple. Right. right. Even David Ben-Gurion, it's a history of Israel that he just finished, of which I just got a copy. It's just way off on all spiritual aspects of the whole picture. And that's what Joseph Klausner of Hebrew University was so unhappy with him about. He said, you've got Marxism in here. You've got communism and materialism in here. He said, this is not the way of the prophets, And you will not prosper under it. And he said, you're not humble like right? you've got to be. And believe me, God will humble you. You need to him that. Uh, it's called the Messianic Idea of Israel. It's a book. It was a great. But that's why he criticized it. Because they came in as, uh, as communists and uh, many of them atheists. They set up the communes as communists right out of Poland and Russia and so forth. They thought they had a great thing. Then they found out they didn't work. And David Benjamin was honest enough to say it. It's capitalism. Going on. So they sold all their government housing. Well, the president recommended right the David Ben Gurion, and immediately the people started taking care of their homes. And he had urged them to sell their land for the farmers to lease it for 99 years. Immediately the farmers picked up in production. So David Ben Gurion just can't say enough about it at that festival. He really helped Israel. of Is it true that a man named David or a leader named David is supposed to be in last Yes, he'll build a temple. The temple will be built by a man named David, who is called the branch, and David, the old Testament. You mean David, of the last days? Well, this is what Brother McCombie feels, and maybe that would happen before the coming of Christ. But in any event, it wouldn't happen after the coming of Christ. But but Joseph Smith said he would be very right. No, they're not. They are on history. In other words, if the Bible says that, There's gold in that area, there's just got to be gold. Uh, It says there was copper there, but there's got to be copper. That's the way they feel about that part. Their ancestors were very good uh, historians, and they recorded these actors. When it comes to a prophecy by Isaiah or Jeremiah or something like that, uh, now that's considered to be uh, just just happy guessing. They uh, They don't accept the divinity of the Messiah, or the scriptures, or the prophets. That's how far away they are, that. As far as you know, it's the same. Summers are quite warm, but Jerusalem is 3,000 feet above sea level, and therefore, not overly hot, but the winters are miserable. 3,000 feet, and that train, reaches cold up there. Yeah. Well, Some snow, occasional snow. Except the Solomon, actually, I twenty-two thousand it was 22,000. Yeah. 22,000 in Yes, yeah. gallon. I have to, I need to point out two things. Number one, it is believed that some of the ancient scribes had the site on some of the would That the They just got to go over those and value those here, you know, Chamber of Commerce. So it's that, <laughs> zero. <laughs> and that's one aspect. The other is that today when you go to Israel, it will support almost anything. It is much As you drive down to those banana grows, that uh, citrus grows, the perfume in the air is just Heavy. Yeah. it in a leather bag. It was almost intoxicating out of the parapet. There was a hotel there, the town was swimming pool, not about the orange grill. Orange blossom sent to us. Uh, it would almost make your head dizzy with soap. Heavy with dirt. Uh, so it was very luxurious. And just, uh, as it became, now it's gone back. They've now planted over a 100 million trees, which retain the water down changed the whole climate here oh well that was all that was left when the romans tore down the temple they also tore down the wall but they left a little chunk of it right here of the original temple of herod's time so they go and they'll pat the ball and their prayer is next year we'll go back you see that's what they've been praying ever since and in 1967 they made it but now, that wasn't the, it's turned out that that wasn't the only part of the wall that the Romans didn't destroy. As they dumped all the big rocks and the debris over the side, why, the whole lower structure of the wall all around was retained, was preserved, actually. But as they dug down, they got down to the streets here, which are where Herod's city used to be. And that whole city is paved with marble. And they had beautiful marble pillars. Herod had built a real Roman um, headquarters there. So it was a marble-paved city with beautiful circuses and palaces and baths and everything the Romans were famous for. That's the city where Jesus walked. And we're just getting down to those marble streets now. And when people go over there today, they're walking the streets that were built by the Arabs in the 16th century. And so when people say, I walked today where Jesus walked, well, in Jerusalem, they're anywhere from 15 to 90 feet above where Jesus walked. on the Sea of Galilee, it will be where he walked. Going up the Mount of Olives, it'll be where he walked. Over in Bethany and Bethpage, it will be where he walked. Water. The way yes. Water uh, well, it'll give you an idea here. You can imagine killing all these thousands of animals. And of course, the entrance had to be washed and everything and uh, uh, disposed of. The bodies were partially or entirely burned. So they have these very big reservoirs under here. That's uh, 30, 32 to 35 acres. And uh, some of these big underground um, reservoir cisterns, you get down, you <laughs> get down in them, and uh, it looks like a football uh, field underground. Practically, they're so big. And here are the pillars that hold up the, the roof above you, extending on and on and on down into the dark. You think you out. Well, what we did was to put them in and then build the, uh, build it up around. Them. Uh, they're called the baths. Then they brought the water and cleared from down near Bethlehem on uh, aqueducts to fill them then they had the drainage an elaborate sewerage system so that the drainage of the blood and the water would come out and go down on the hotel and so they had some beautiful uh, gardens down here where all of that blood and debris ended up fertilized by 60. any other question now about the temple and the dimensions and everything how many times did God appear to Solomon twice, and how many times did he hear the voice of God? Three times. Because right while he was building the temple and could have gotten discouraged, the Lord spoke to him, didn't appear to him, but spoke to him, and promised him that he'd have complete success and everything would be granted unto him that had been promised earlier, if he would obey all the commandments of God. Now, I just have one or two other thoughts I want to mention to you. In the book, I refer to the endowment. And it seems that in the days of Solomon, a few people were allowed to have the endowment, and they would go upstairs, of course, to receive it. After the Aaronic Priesthood ordinances were performed on the first floor, they went up to the upper floor for the Melchizedek Priesthood. Now, these ordinances were not continued after Elijah, 100 years after this temple was built. By the time of Elijah, the apostasy was so rank that God took Elijah and all sealing powers of the priesthood. Now you could still be married for time and eternity because that doesn't have to be done in a temple if there's no temple available. In our day, it has to be done in a temple because the temples are available. In those days, it did not. When Christ came, Elijah appeared with Moses, conferred these sealing powers on the heads of Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they started the temple ordinances in due time. When Christ was killed, and uh, went to glory, and all the apostles were um, driven and destroyed. One group of Christians kept the temple ordinances and wrote them down. And they were down in Egypt. They're Coptic Egyptians. And um, copies of those temple ordinances, written and copied uh, in about the second and third century, were found not too long ago. And uh, the, the scientists just couldn't figure out what in the world these Coptic Christians were talking about. Hugh Nibley got a hold of them and uh, immediately the College of Religion faculty were invited to go down to the Manti Temple and Brother Nibley says, look what we have found. And there are the exact words of the temple endowment which God has always required us to memorize. Now this solves a very important problem with reference to the temple. When the church was first being restored, the saints were, went out of New York into Kirtland then into Missouri and then back to Nauvoo. At which time, some of the brethren who were masons said to Joseph Smith, In the interest of building up good relations with our state, why don't uh, you become a mason? And um, let's build a Masonic lodge. So the largest Masonic lodge in all Illinois was in Nauvoo. And Joseph Smith was put through all three orders, um, apprentice, journeyman, and master mason in one day, which of course is... Not kosher, but anyway, it was done. And um, so Joseph uh, received it. Now he'd received part of the endowment, and already he must have been puzzled a little bit by some similarities. But then he got the whole endowment, and lo and behold, now they find out what it's all about. He called in the Masons, and he said, look what, look what the Masonic order really is the vestigial remnants of. And now we've got the whole thing But what had happened, apparently. Um, those Coptic Christians made contact with the European crusaders in the 11th and 12th century and taught them these very sacred uh, fraternal vows. These crusaders go back to Germany and England and set up the Masonic order adapted to their guild system and said this is the order of the builders of Solomon's temple, which I'm, I no Mason today will uh, give credit to, but it used to be said that way. So they said, actually, this, these secret vows are in connection with the building um, industry, carpenters and masons and so forth. And um, so when Joseph Smith got hold of it and saw it, 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 what it's really talking about are the three degrees of glory. It has nothing to do with masonry as such, you know, carpenters and masons, etc. And they have, all, they have the actual words in many cases, and they have the signs and the symbols and all the beautiful symbolism of the temple, but don't know what it means. And so the prophet was so thrilled, as was Brigham Young and Hebrew C. Kimball, who were also Masons, when they got the whole order and what it stood for, and the temple service was restored. And for many years, we couldn't figure out where the Masons actually got some of these things. The words are practically identical in some cases, but now we've dug these things up, and it undoubtedly was the Coptic Christians that gave it to the Masons. So that's kind of solved that problem. Yes, the Masonic Order in Utah does not allow Mormons to join, uh, but we've had lots of Masons join the church all over the church in various parts of the world. That, that grew out of a feud that developed way back uh, in the 1800s in Salt Lake City where the, the Masons considered the Mormons their enemies. Why was the entrance toward the east? Because um, Christ will come out of the east for his second coming. He will come from the east. Any other thoughts? Before we have our test on Tuesday? Does the church own these records that they dug to Egypt now? No, no, they're in the hands of some of the um, archaeological foundations. But Brother Nibley's been in on the translation of some of them. Anything else? Yes. Uh, d- does the church what? No, it's discouraged. Uh, joining any secret organization, fraternal or otherwise, is discouraged by the church. Not that they have anything against the Masons because we've had some good Mason Mormons, but they just priesthood holders are so busy they don't have time for any fraternal program. They got one of their own. All right. We'll see you on Tuesday.